0: There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that has Paul talking. and he says, I know a man, whether in the body or not in the body, I don't know, but he was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven is the throne room of God. The first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. The air we breathe, that's that's called heaven. The second heaven is the stratosphere around the universe, all that different. That's the second heaven. The third heaven is the throne room of God. So when you hear people talk about the third heaven, that's what they're talking about. Paul said, I knew this man that was caught up into the third heaven. And, and I don't know, but all I know is I heard things that could not be uttered. You know what Paul was saying? And if you read the writings from Corinthians on... It took on a whole new picture. Everything was so future-oriented, so eternally based, that it kind of gets you stirred up thinking, man, there is something more.
1: Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: There are so many that make no plans beyond today, as I have in your notes. And what I want us to understand today... In the entirety of this message is this one simple truth. Life is not our three score and ten or longer. Everything we do today is preparing us for eternity. A lot of us like to set goals of five to ten years. But I'm talking about eternity this morning, and I'm teaching a message, Heaven, a prepared place for a prepared people. Colossians chapter 3 says, Since you have been made alive again, so to speak... When Christ arose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven. Could you turn these monitors off, please, up here? The joys and splendor of heaven. Listen to what he says here. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Underline that in your notes, would you please? Let heaven fill your thoughts and don't spend eternity worrying about the things or your times worrying about the things down here. Now, if you look at me just for a second, this is what the God of this world would love to have us do, be consumed our entire life from cradle to grave, consumed with what we're doing here on earth. And a lot of people say, well, pastor, isn't that the reason that we're here? The answer very simply is no. The reason we are here is to bring glory to God. That's the reason that we're on this earth. The life that we live here today is preparing our life for all eternity. And I tell people all the time: if 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 you're going to spend most of your time in eternity, why are we focusing all of our time on Earth? Listen what it says: let your let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. Now listen to the next line. You should have as little desire of this world as a dead person does. But what does the world push? Bigger, better, brighter, shinier? Success, more this, more that? Your real life, it goes on to say, is in heaven. You say, well, pastor, it will be then. It must be now. And one of the reasons that we miss so much that God wants is because we're so consumed with the here and now and not focusing on the then and there. I want to drop down to the very last part of that passage. Look what it says. Don't worship the good things of life. Folks, that's totally contrary, isn't it? How many can look at me and say, Pastor, have you gone nuts or what? (laughs) Underline that in your notes. Don't worship the good things of life. Don't make your life become that focused on this life. Look what it says for that's idolatry. Kind of eye opening, isn't it? But it's also peace giving. Because once we grab a hold of this understanding that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, we'll be able to let go of so many things in our life and grab a hold of so many things in eternity. Look at First Chronicles, what's it say? We're here for only a moment. Would you say that with me? We're here for only a moment. Our life's soon gonna disappear without a trace. I have lots of dear friends that have that have died and gone on to heaven. You know what's known, what's remembered about them? Not much. Oh, family, friends, they have some fond memories. But just like me, it doesn't matter how many hundreds or, or hundreds of thousands of people I touch on this earth, when I'm gone, most of the memory of me will be gone with me. As with you. You say, well, pastor, what about the people that live on? You know, like the people that have written books. That's why they live on. It's because of the different things they've left behind. So let me bring that into your life and mind. You might not be a book writer. You might not be a songwriter, a song singer. You might not be an artist or whatever of all those different things. But is the life you're living impacting people to the place to where they're the legacy you're leaving behind? heaven, a prepared place for prepared people. Now, if you've been a part of this church any length of time, you know that I'm kind of fond of Disneyland. I've told people for years, the older I get, the younger I am. How many of you older guys can shout amen? Okay. You older ladies can say, yeah, I didn't want to say older ladies, but you, you know what I mean. You know what I found? And I tell my wife that she says, this is nuts. You, you, you go to Disneyland I can literally unplug from everything. You say, well, pastor, what do you do at Disneyland? I unplug. I let go. I act, like a kid. I act like a kid. But you know what I get to do there? I get to think of what God intended things to be. You see, Walt Disney was quite the visionary now, I don't know much about him. I've never studied whether he was a Christian, not a Christian. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. And I probably have known, but I at this moment, I don't remember. But there was something, I believe, that was driving this man with the same wonder that you and I are driven with every single day. He said, I want to bring a place to where people can just let go of all and step in to more. Walt Disney knew there was something more to life than living and dying. And he said, I need to bring a place if I can. I think what Disney was trying to do is bring a little heaven on earth. No, do I believe that that place is heaven? Not by any means. But the reality, it's a place for you to cut away from this world, if you will, and step into a different world. Am I making any sense at all? Ecclesiastes 3, and I've read this Last week as we started this series on heaven, he planted eternity in our hearts. This is why nothing in this world will ever fulfill. You see what I what I believe, I think God did this on purpose that we could not fully be deceived into believing that this life is all there is. I was talking to a man on the phone. I talked to him quite a bit last evening. He talked about buying this and buying that and having this and having that and going here and going there. And he said, this feels so empty. He's trying to be the proverbial Solomon who looked for everything he wanted and grabbed it and realized it's all vanity. It's all nothingness. Why? Because you and I are citizens of heaven. This life passes very quick, yet we know that our future is secure. And what I said, as I did last week, and I'll say through the course of this series, what we need to do is put our focus on the place to come, not the place that now is. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. Number one in your notes, know, how much do we think about heaven? How much? There are times in my life that I just, I, I just kind of zone out. My, my wife's trying to talk to me, and I, I'm not there. I'm praying and I'm actually gone. I'm thinking about God. If I could have the Lord come back right now, I'd say come right now. How many think it would be cool if God just showed up right now? But there's times that that you might think I'm a little distant. You have no idea how distant I am. I am eternally distant because I have to live as much as I can in that place, because it's my job to bring the understanding of that place to each of us who live in this world. Can you say amen? C.S. Lewis said, those who do the most in this world are the people who think the most of the next. Let's go back to Colossians. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about what's going on down here. You know what I think we're doing here? Paul is giving us some insight into the victories of his life. How he was able to do all the things that he was able to do. He said, I'm just going to let heaven fill my thoughts. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that has Paul talking. and he says, I know a man, whether in the body or not in the body, I don't know. But he was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven is the throne room of God. The first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. The air we breathe, that's that's called heaven. The second heaven is the stratosphere around the universe, all that different. That's the second heaven. The third heaven is the throne room of God. So when you hear people talk about the third heaven, that's what they're talking about. Paul said, I knew this man that was caught up into the third heaven. And, and I don't know, but all I know is I heard things that could not be uttered. You know what Paul was saying? And if you read the writings from Corinthians on... It took on a whole new picture. Everything was so future-oriented, so eternally based, that it kind of gets you stirred up thinking, man, there is something more. In the original language, that passage is saying, constantly keep seeking seeking, and thinking about heaven. A lot of people ask me, say, Pastor, how can I be thinking about heaven when I got all this stuff going on? And there's so much limited information about heaven. Well, actually, if you read the Bible and you're looking for it, the Bible is chalked full from Genesis to Revelation about heaven. But granted, we have a lot of stuff pulling for our time. And one of the things that your pastor does that helps me deal with all the things that I deal with on a regular basis is I think about it being temporal. I think about it being here for a moment and then gone. I think about the life that I'm living today is impacting the life that you're living tomorrow. I think about the fact that I live the life that I live in this church on Sunday. But if you follow me around, you'll find it's the exact same life that I live every other day of the week. Because everything I do, every way I go, is making a difference. And the difference that I need to make is the difference that I understand life is eternal, it's not temporal. Everybody, now listen to me, whether you live and whether you go to heaven or go to hell, life is eternal. Everyone will live forever. So if you, as a child of God, understand that should it not be that every single decision and purpose of your life is based eternally and not temporally. Even Job back in the Old Testament, which we understand is the oldest book of the Bible, is the book of Job. Genesis was not the first book. Job was the first book. It was not But if you go down to a bookstore and you find what's called a chronological Bible, it will show you the order of how the books were written. Most of them are in chronological order, but Job is the oldest book. Job, going through all the difficulties he went through, look what he said in Job 19. He said, after my skin is destroyed, after this natural life is done, after this body that I am currently tabernacled in is destroyed, look what he says, this I know. Underline this in your notes, that in my flesh, I will see God. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about that new body, that perfect body, that incorruptible, that immortal body. He said, I'm going to live just like this. People say, well, how, how do you know? Well, when Jesus came back, remember he ascended into heaven? He put the offering on the altar seat of God and he came back and he showed to Mary and the Bible says to all the disciples and, and 500 different people at, at a given time. What did Jesus tell Thomas? Touch my hands, thrust your hand in my side. You can't do that into a ghost. You see, heaven is not going to be strumming harps and floating around on clouds, it's a real place. Filled with real people. The difference is, we'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more anger, no more fear, no more torment, no more def- defeat. Why? Because we'll be victorious in the eternal kingdom that God created you and I for. I think we're getting excited this morning. It's a prepared place for prepared people. Am I making sense? You see, the issue that you and I deal with when we have this longing, longing in our lives, is we're longing for something that brings satisfaction. Well, the sad reality, the one thing that brings satisfaction is absent physically from our being, but our longing for heaven is literally a longing for God to be with him. Just like Adam and Eve were in the garden when the Lord walked with them day by day. You see, heaven is the dwelling place of God himself. Yes, God is everywhere, but heaven is his throne room. The psalmist wrote, God, where can I go from your spirit? He said, can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. Look what he said. If I make my bed in hell, you're there also. So for us to have that longing fulfilled, we have to be one day in God's presence. Well, the Bible says we can be in God's presence today by simply taking our longing and placing it where it needs to be. Instead of for things, it's for eternity. Can you say amen? Look what Exodus 33 tells us. Moses was wanting to expound to the people of God that he had just led out of Egypt. He said, God, I gotta. I, I need to show them. I need to talk to him." And Moses said these words, let me see your glory. Let me see you, God, is what Moses was saying. And look what the Lord responded. He said, I want to to explain this. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. You see, God's goodness is God's glory. That's why it follows up to say, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will be gracious on whom I have gracious. And I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see it and live. Here's the difference. God's glory is God's goodness. God's glory in this picture is showing his mercy. When you look at the Face of God, you're looking at the majesty of God. You're looking at the character of God. You're looking, or excuse me, you're looking at the glory of God. You're looking at the character of God. You're looking at the passion and compassion of God. When you look at the hand of God and the the ability of God, you're looking at His power. And God says, No one can see my face and live. Why? Because we're sinful creatures. But God said, If you'll start focusing on heaven, you'll see my glory. You'll see my goodness. Secondly, on our notes, actually, let me make this. On the day we see God, it'll be like seeing everything for the very first time. We'll not only see him, but God will be the lens by which we see everything through. And nothing will ever be the same. And I'm convinced that we can have some of that right here on this earth. If we'll take our eyes off the things and fill our hearts, fill our eyes with heaven. We have an unquenchable thirst for what we were created for. In John 4, Jesus is talking to the woman of the well and he said, you know, anyone that drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But those who drink of the water that I will give will never thirst again. God is trying to tell us that there's a difference between this world and the world that is to come. In Hebrews 11, the Bible declares that they desire a better country that is a heavenly country. That's why they said they're not ashamed to be called their God because they know he has prepared a place for them. And that's what God wants us to understand is that he has a prepared place. Are we prepared? Am I making sense this morning? Are we prepared? On the cross of Calvary, and in 2 Corinthians 12, we find the picture that the, that the excuse me, I'm, I'm 2 Corinthians 12 is Paul caught up into paradise and hearing things that he did not understand. In Luke 23, we see the picture of Calvary where the thief was on the cross at Calvary. And what did Jesus say to the man? This day you will be with me in paradise. The picture of paradise is literally the garden of a king. To someone who was living at that time, a a, a pauper, somebody possibly in poverty, or even a well-to-do person that had no concept of the king's garden, every fiber of their being would have been overwhelmed with fragrance and beauty. What well, God is trying to help us to see that everything about heaven will always be more than we could ever imagine. First Corinthians 12, 12, two says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined the things that God has prepared. For those who love him. Heaven is a prepared place. For. A prepared people. God placed that longing inside of us. To draw us closer to him. And one day in your notes. That thirst will be quenched. And all of our desires. Will be fulfilled. As we. Always. Consider. Heaven. You know what will happen we will begin to displace our desires for this earth. As we begin to consider heaven and the promises that God has for us, next week I'm going to open the scriptures and actually take you into the descriptions of heaven. I think it's kind of interesting when I put this series together, I did not realize that it was going to fall on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday was the day the Lord was preparing for his trip back to heaven. And he was sharing with the people as the people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. He was sharing with them in preparation of a prepared place. He told the disciples, he said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to go to a place and then he went on to say, in my father's house, there's lots of mansions, lots of rooms. And listen to what he said. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Haley, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, let's look at the natural. The Bible says God created this earth in six days. Larry, he's been working on your house for 2,000 years. What do you think, Lee? Six days, he created everything. But he's been working on your house for 2,000 years. What do you think, Johnny? Johnny? How many think it might be a pretty cool place? But have you thought about it? Have you ever sat down and thought about what God has prepared? Now, I'm going to say a hard thing here, but understand, this is reality. The problem that we have in seeing that place is because we're too in love with this place. We get too caught up in what's happening around us. You say, well, I can't change that. You're right, but God can. God can. I'm always wonder-filled by couples that say, I met the perfect man, I met the perfect woman. And I tell them, well, you could have met the perfect woman because she's married to me. But in all of that, Oh, you wives, it's a great place to say amen. Listen to me. Oh, this is going to be heaven. And then they ask me, Pastor, do you believe marriages are made in heaven? And I tell them, no, I don't. I believe they're made right here on earth. But if you want, God will put heaven inside of it. If you let God be the focal point of your marriage, he'll bring heaven to your marriage. Say, so well, how does he do that? Because he becomes more important than you or her, or you or him. Husbands and wives, the biggest problems that we have in our marriages is he will never satisfy you. She will never, She, he and she never were meant to. He was meant to. That's why marriage always takes three. Some of you wives should be elbowing husbands right now. That's our trouble. Get your eyes off of her. Get your eyes off of him and put them on Christ. And stop saying, God changed my wife. And look in the mirror and say, God changed me. I never ask God to make her the woman I want. You know why? I don't have a clue what I want. I look and say, God, make me the man you want. Then I'll be the man she wants. And vice versa. What am I doing? I'm bringing heaven. I'm taking my eyes off of Cosmopolitan. Off of the boob tube. Off of the marriage magazines and off of the the self-help magazines. And saying, God, I need help. And you're the only one that can help this self. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Always consider heaven. And it will displace your desires for the earth. Back to Hebrews 11, it says, those who say such things, those who live as though they're only visitors, they declare plainly, there's a homeland waiting for me. There are prepared people looking for a prepared place, a place they have not seen. One day, you and I will be home. Only then will this void be filled Because only heaven can fulfill eternity. This is why everyone worships something on this earth. We're trying to find something to bring satisfaction. We're trying to quench a thirst in our lives. As I shared last week, God has placed this homing instinct inside of us. It's like we have this homesickness for some place but we don't know exactly what it is that that keeps drawing us. I'm telling you, it's a place called heaven. It's a prepared place for prepared people. The Bible tells us that God put eternity in our hearts. It's heaven that we're longing for. It's home. Now, let me say something, folks. People sit back and they try to imagine. People think that heaven... Is an imitation of earth. No, heaven is not an imitation of earth. It is actually the other way around. Earth is a copy. It's a temporary. Heaven is the future destination, the eternal home. Heaven is going to blow our minds. All heaven, all earth is, is a little glimpse. I couldn't, in the furthest realm of my imagination, I can't picture what the Garden of Eden must have been. God's presence there. All the glory and beauty that he established until we messed it up. Maybe everything that we do on this earth, if we just take and change a perspective, would change. What do you think? Let's go back to that John 14 passage where he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go and prepare this place, I'm going to come back and receive you that where I am, you also may be. I've had people over the years say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm going to fulfill everything God wants me to fulfill on this earth. Have you ever thought that maybe you're not meant to fulfill everything on this earth? Do you think that eternity is, might be what God is preparing you for? for the role that we're gonna live then and there. We need to remember that life does not end at our time on earth. It is a continuation in a place called heaven. If life is limited or cut short by say a disability, say it was cut short by an illness or a death, we, we, we tend to think that they never realized their dreams. But what happens if your dreams or my dreams are meant to be realized on the other side? I have met so many people that think life is unfair. Well folks, it was never meant to be fair. But I think it's because we think that on Earth, that this is it. That's why we think it's unfair. I've shared this story in our church before, and I share it again. I was doing the funeral of a baby, and I was mad at God. You ever get mad at God? You know it's okay to get mad at God, but it's not okay to stay mad. Because usually you and I are the ones that are wrong. Just a thought. It's okay. I got mad at God. I'm doing this funeral. For this baby. And I'm thinking, God, what gives? This child had no dreams, no future, no hope, no. What? And God stops me right in the middle of my complaining. Has God ever done that to you? He says, just shut up, we admit, for just a second, please. Okay, he might not talk to you like that. He talks to me like that. We have this relationship. He's God, I'm not, I'm okay. And he said, you know your problem? And listen to this. This is God speaking to me. You put too much value on human life. Now, that sounds juxtaposed to our mindset, doesn't it? I thought our value is supposed to be on human life. No. Nope. God finished his thought. He said, I place value on eternity. I preached a different sermon that day, folks. I didn't preach a sermon out of despair. And I never do that at a, at a funeral. It's a celebration to me if they're a child of God. If they're not a child of God, and I know they're not a child of God, a lot of times I will say, "Now nah, I don't think I want to do the funeral for you. Got people upset, but praise the Lord. You put too much value. Let me speak to you today. You put too much value on human life. Your life should be based on eternity. That way, when things didn't go right, you could sit back and say, Okay, God, well, I know you're in charge. I'm not in fatalism, but I do know that you take the bad and turn it around for good. So, whatever it is, I trust you. Next. And just move on. How many think that would be pretty cool? How many think they're going to start practicing trying to do that? You you got to. See, folks, if I did not live my life that way, I love you, but I would have locked the doors a long time ago. I'm just one of the few pastors that will be honest with you and tell you that. I come to church a few months ago, and I, I, I was having one of those days. You ever have one of those days? I know, Ivan, you never have those days. I was having one of those days. And I walked in the church, and we had a great morning service, great time. But I looked at the folks, and some of you might remember this. I looked at you said, you know, today I love you. I just don't like you very much. So when I'm done, I'm just going to leave. Do you remember me saying that, Libby? Yeah, kind of, sort of. And I just kind of got done with service that day and kind of left. You see, I'm just like you. I have days like that. It's just pastors aren't supposed to. We're supposed to be walking on clouds all the time, aren't we? The reason I can 99% of the time is because everything I deal with I know is just temporal. Your problems, my problems, your situations, my situations. We tend to think of this world as real and heaven surreal, when it's really just the opposite. First Corinthians 13 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face, now just in part, but then I'll be known just as I'm known. C.S. Lewis has written some very incredible books over the years. Some of you read them, read some of them, the the Chronicles of Narnia, the Screwtape Letters, Shadowlands, uh, lots of, Lots of different movies that he's done over the years. Well, we all are familiar with Narnia, the ones that come out here recently. But there was a tremendous book that was basically the, not the autobiography of his life, but kind of a biography of his life. It was called Shadowlands. And it was about the life that C.S. Lewis lived. His love, his life was all depicted in a perspective that this world was only a shadow. In the movie, his wife, and in life, died of cancer. And the thing that kept him going was knowing that one day he was going to see her again. Billy Graham was interviewed in his life in one of the great interviews he did in the recent years. And he said, Billy Graham, is there anything left to do that you have not yet done and Billy Graham responded without hesitation, just one more thing: I want to see Ruth. See, I've not seen Ruth on that side yet, and he thinks that's the only thing left undone. First Corinthians 15:52 says, "We'll all not die, but we will all be transformed. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will rise to life forever. And we who are living will be transformed. It goes on to say our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then it says when all this happens, the saying will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. See, God did not create death. Death is the result of sin. This is why there's death in this world. But he said death will be swallowed up in victory when Jesus broke that tomb open on that third day and the sunshine broke in and God's sunshine back out. I want you to know death and hell was defeated. But we have to live our lives understanding I don't have to deal with this. I can just go through it because he went through it for me. Can you say amen? Oh, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? The sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gave death or sin its power. But thank God who gives us the victory over sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven, a prepared place for prepared people. I encourage you, start living as if heaven's begun today. Get your eyes off this. You say, oh, Pastor, I'm working. We'll work like you're working in heaven. I tell people all the time, you know, when, well, not all the time, but when people are going through stuff, I tell people, say, Guys, you know, when you're talking about heaven, your face needs to light up. Could you imagine if you lived with the thought of heaven every day, the expression on your faith to the people? Could you imagine you're walking around like this? I mean, you just kind of got a a bounce in your step. People look at you, they think you're high. And you'll say, I am. I'm so high, you can't imagine. People come up to me all the time and they'll say, hi. I say, usually. (laughs) What do you mean? And then I get a chance to talk to them about the things of God. I've got all these little quirky things I do. It's, you know, because folks, I live with the concept of heaven. I've got to. You have got to. If not, the aggravations and frustrations that you face today will never stop. You say, Pastor, if I do that, you really think they'll go away? I know they will. I know they will. you give me one thought yeah if your mind's always in heaven whether you live or die didn't matter you know you're prepared for a prepared place right now if everything we do is based on what we do how many know that's frustrating enough I share this story at the end of this message as the worship team comes a missionary was returning home to the U.S. from his final tour of duty. He had spent 50 years abroad, bound for New York Harbor, and there was a secularist on, on the boat with him. The secularist, this atheist, continually telling the missionary how he wasted his life. How he had nothing to show for. And he continued by telling the missionary, There's not a single person on this ship that even knows anything you've done. And the missionary responded with these words He said, Sir, I'm not home yet. Well, the agnostics seemed to assume that the missionary was going to talk, was talking about his large crowd to meet the ship when they arrived at new york harbor and began to disembark the agnostic began to mock him again because there wasn't a solitary person there to meet the missionary the secularist knew that the missionary is from the midwest so he just turned to him once again and the missionary said but sir I'm, i'm not home yet A lonely train ride from New York all the way across to the city he came from. Not a single person on the train knew who he was, what he did. And when he got home and got off the platform, not a single person was waiting for him. Finally lost it. You see, folks, there's only so much stuff if we don't keep our heads focused that we can deal with before we lose it. The missionary lost it. Broke down, began to cry. It was then that he heard the voice of God say, son, you're not home yet. Home is why I do what I do. Home is why I can do what i do and if you will take your eyes and lift them back to god get them heaven bound i promise you it'll change your life but if your eyes are only focused on your career on your job on your paycheck let me step on a couple of toes on your family on your children on your spouse Folks, I love Victorious Life. I love this church. I love all that God's done. But folks, this is not my focus. If it was, I would fail you as a pastor. My focus has to be beyond all of this. Because it's my job to help you get beyond all of this. I'm not home yet. But I'm living as if I am. And if you will do the same... If you just you just take a test tomorrow, change the way of your attitude when you walk to work, when you walk in that door instead of thinking, oh this is Monday. why don't you start thinking this is one day closer that I'm going home? It'll change your perspective. When you go in there and you deal with that person, instead of getting all frustrated and aggravated with them, why not you say, God, this could be an opportunity for me to take somebody home with me. And open your heart. Will you say, Pastor, I, I can't talk about God. Yeah, but you can talk about you. You can talk about your life change. Just things like, you know, and I know that life is kind of short. and I know we got a few days, but you know, I got all eternity to live for. That guy might not know what to say. And you may not be able to say anything else. But you know what you do? You'll plant a seed in that person. What is he talking about? What is it that makes him, what makes her that way? Am I making any sense today? You see, heaven is a prepared place. Are you a prepared person? Palm Sunday, I'm going to actually start describing heaven to you. People say, well, there's not a lot about it. There's tons of it. I'm going to open the scriptures and talk to you about heaven. How many like to see that picture? Amen. You need to come. Palm Sunday. The beginning of the end. But actually, the beginning of the beginning. because Jesus said, I didn't come to live, folks. I came to be a sacrifice. For you. For me.
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.